0: mobile rolling presented by Garratts Horse and Hound making shopping easier with their online store the same extensive catalogue the same keen prices online or over the phone 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au Festival
1: is Queen of the Corner and then on the inside Champagne everyone followed by Don't Be Chilly Silly Chilly and the 1-2 from Precocious Lady and well back in the field is Sovrana as they come off the back straight next corner in 29 Wonderful to Fly from Little Darling is trying very hard. In third position the outside, Queen in the corner. Getting home well as Don't Be Silly Chilly around the outside and back behind them Sovrana and Champagne everyone as they come around the home turn into the straight. Wonderful to fly is nicely clear from Little Darling and down the outside running on Don't Be Silly Chilly but in front Wonderful to Fly from Little Darling Don't Be Silly Chilly and Sovrana and Wonderful to Fly races home to win brilliantly. Second Little Darling
0: Wonderful to Fly. She's one of the young stars of the West at the moment. Quite a phenomenal record. She's by fly like an eagle. And tomorrow night at Gloucester Park, she's chasing 10 wins in a row. But she's had overall 31 career starts for 21 wins. Now, normally, Matt Young joins Chris Barsby every Thursday from the West. So we're going to say good morning to Matt. How are you? Good morning,
2: Steve. I'm very well.
0: And your brother... Uh, trains and drives at Wonderful To Fly. He's with us as well, Shane Young. So this is a bit different. I don't know if I've ever, ever interviewed the two brothers before. How are you, Shane? Yeah, good, thank you. She's been blessed with good draws, hasn't she? Wonderful To Fly, we'll say that much.
1: Oh, she is tomorrow night. No, her overall record would show she hasn't had a lot of luck in the draws, so uh, she was probably due for a good one.
0: She seems to have a, a very high cruising speed. Is she led in most of these recent wins? Um, yeah, pretty much this
1: season, a lot of her wins are, have end up leading because the the opposition are tending to to let her go rather than take her on um, these days.
0: So it'll be a case she'll just lead and improve her position. Obviously, she's very short price favourite here at Gloucester tomorrow night. Wonderful to fly.
1: Yeah, look, obviously, uh, barring anything going wrong, you, you think she'd be leading, and um, you know, on her current form, um, she should be winning the race. But uh, it's never a given.
0: So what are your long-range plans with her? I mean, what level uh, can she get to? Shane, wonderful to fly, in your opinion.
1: Well, we've got the Oaks in about three weeks from tomorrow, so she'll be aiming at that. Possibly the WA Derby, if, if she's holding up, um, then she would probably go to the paddock. So then next season, um, you know, look, a lot of water going on the bridge, but races. There's the APG in Sydney for four-year-old mares. There's the the Rising Sun, and there's even the Eureka, if she was lucky enough to get in that or be going well enough at the time. So there's races for her, but next season she's on a lot harder mark.
0: Mm, Of course, your brother Matt's with us, as I said. Matt, you've got that new race next year in April as well as as a part of the Western Trilogy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The Nullarbor, so um, that's something that she might be picked for as well, but um, I think that'll be a reasonable step up and grade. Will she be back and ready for that, Shane?
1: Uh, no, got no real intention to 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 run in that race. I, I think I need to give her. I'd like to give her a decent break at the end of this campaign, and um, you yeah, know, obviously that's a free for all race. You'd know, be very difficult to either get in or, or or be competitive. So we'll we'll go a different course next season.
0: What sort of times has she been running, Matt? Wonderful to fly. What sort of times
2: is she running? Uh, she's probably the fastest. Well, oh, I'd say she's pretty close to the fastest three-year-old in the state in terms of a quarter. I think Tricky Mickey for Justin Prentice is very quick as well, but um, on times, she's right up there with the boys. So uh, that's why we've seen her being so dominant against the Phillies is that um, she seems to have a lot of the Phillies measure at this stage, but there are a few nice ones that uh, we saw Little Darling racing the breeze. has got a beautiful draw behind her on Friday night and uh, also on the Mighty Lucy. Looks to have a bit of ability and in the spotlight who they really haven't met too many times, uh, or if ever, in the spotlight and wonderful to fly. So there are a few few hurdles heading towards the Oaks, but um, she's definitely proven herself as the best filly and having one of the best uh, seasons the filly's ever had here in WA, taking out a lot of the features.
0: Yes, I'm just thinking, um, you know, if she happened to win the Oaks and then the Derby, I mean, was it Whitby's Miss Penny the last one to do that about 30 years ago?
2: Yeah, well, I'm not actually sure. I have been meaning to look up that record to see if there's uh, who the last Billy was to win uh, the WA Oaks and them go on to win the Derby. But, yeah, Whippy's Miss Penny is definitely one of them. And I feel like there's been one in the last 20 years, uh, early 2000s, but I could be wrong. So mm. I'd have to have a look at that record.
0: It's a really fascinating story with wonderful flyers, isn't it, Shane? Was she passed in? Was she at the sales? Can you take us through the early days with her? um
1: yeah look i mean i I, she wasn't technically fashionably bred at the time of the sale and i have got some photos of her from the sale that the owner sent me and she was look nothing flash to look at she was just this this sort of narrow little little quilly um no real muscle and nothing that would take your eye and so she got passed in they only wanted ten thousand dollars for her then the owner got her or kevin charles and I think they just got her broken in and educated and i only came across her because she was at my father's and he he thought she went quite good and we were looking at buying a horse at the time so i went down and drove her and liked her um never expecting her to get to where she has um so that's part of the story and look she's just gone from strength to strength
0: was she a bit difficult early
1: um i don't think for educating that but like her first race start she won really easy and sort of really stepped up as a, as a quality horse and then I had a couple of times where she sort of got out of control a bit and wanted to over race and eventually we've sorted that out and now she's matured into a really top class race horse. She's got gait speed, she's got a bit of strength and she's got high speed. Um, so, you know, she's nearly the all-round package.
0: Did you tweak gear given she wanted to go a bit keen in early days?
1: Yeah, just just mainly her bit, put a different, and, and instead of letting her go out the gate one night, I just grabbed hold of her and she dropped out the last and then she just dropped ahead and she, from that time on, she seemed to sort of then become, uh, you know, do what I wanted her to do instead of what she wanted to do.
0: And Matt, what would you regard personally as, as her best win, wonderful to fly? Oh um, well,
2: Yeah, that's a hard one to work out because she's had so many good ones, but I do remember, I think that Ray Shane was talking about, uh, he trolled her at Pinjarra and she sat at the back of the field and she dashed home and beat a couple of really nice ones. And then she went to Gloucester Park in a race where she was nearly last at about the 300 and he ducked and weaved and he got to the outside and her last 100 metres was unbelievable. And she came from nowhere. She was a really good price that night. That's probably my favourite was because I backed her, but uh, <laughs> that, that was that was one of the better prices that she was about six to eight dollars that night and ever since then she's been a lot shorter but yeah she's got a lot of good wins but uh, that one sticks out in my memory is when she really put her hand up as actually she's a serious horse.
0: Yeah Shane you must just love driving her what would you regard of her best wins so far of the 21 of them? Um, I think
1: well probably the one we were a bit apprehensive about was the Westbred two-year-old race so she got uh, she was pretty short-favorite, but she got left sort of three deep early, then outside the leader, and she had horse also um, taken the mickey sitting on her back, which at the time was a pretty smart filly, and, you know, she held her out um, and, you know, done all the work and still won it. It was a, you know, group one race, her first group one win. So that was, that probably stamped her as not just a weak little sit and kick horse. She showed a lot of strength that night, and everything had their chance to beat her. So, look, that's probably the one that, that I'd say is her best at the moment. But look, she's run a lot of great races and, and you know, she's just a quality horse.
0: That's just a good name for a fast horse, isn't it? Wonderful to fly. How did you get yeah. to that show? Um uh, just a
1: song song I was listening to called Raining on the Rock and um those lyrics came up in the in the song and it just seemed to fit fit the the, you know, the breeding of the horse and yeah, so just went from there and Now she's a good horse, I
0: suppose she's made the name sound quite good. Yeah, tell me some of the other ones that you've been involved in, good ones in the past, Shane. Uh, I had a horse long, a couple, uh, Road
1: Less Travelled, he was a really good horse for me, he was probably the first top horse I I had, I bred him, Um, a little horse called Broken Hill Billy. he won about 18, Courageous Ned won about 22, I think, and then... Uh, recently I trained a mare called Rosie's Ideal. She won a group one. So, yeah, they're some of the better ones.
0: But this filly is clearly the best in my mind. Yeah. Gee, it's um, exciting for the family, isn't it, Matt, at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's funny, he mentions
2: Courageous then He won the champagne stakes as a two-year-old, but he earns, I think, over a half a million dollars or just shy of half a million dollars, and he never broke two minutes as a winning mile rate, which I know it's back uh, 15 more years ago when he was racing, but that's an unbelievable record to not break two minutes and earn that sort of money. He was well placed.
0: Has there been anyone tried to buy her off you at this stage, off the team?
1: No, never haven't even had an uh, an offer on her, no, so um, uh, which is a bit surprising, and yeah you know, at this stage I wouldn't be thinking of selling her but I would have thought there would be some interest in it, but maybe because she's in the west and they're not sure how good she really is. Um, Maybe that's got something to do
0: with it. I know if it's thoroughbred racing the phone, it'd be ringing off the hook. <laughs> yeah, and she'd be worth a lot more money than she is. This is a yeah. breed And Matt, I understand this sire fly like an eagle. He stands over there, does he? Yeah, he does. He's,
2: uh, he's double Westbred incentive, and I think he's still double Westbred incentive, he is. Uh, so he's, he's had a lot of success um, for a pretty reasonable price. And he's um, only five thousand dollars now. He's a bit cheaper. A few years ago, when fly, uh, when Wonderful to Fly would have been bred to him, so uh, he's done a fantastic job. There's actually another one uh, in the family's uh, Sky Lord, which is trained and owned um, by our nieces and um, the sisters Madeline and Jocelyn, and uh, he ran third in the two hundred and fifteen thousand dollar westbred classic last week and he's a fly like an eagle and um, he is showing enormous potential at this stage so he's doing a really good job and he's gaining a lot of uh, interest here in the west and uh, great incentives as shane knows with the double westbred scheme if you can get one that can really run
0: Mm. shane what do you do with the between runs and uh, how long has she actually been in work wonderful to fly this preparation uh
1: so she'd be nearly getting towards twelve months in work um because our you know, our seasons have, our racing season has changed to uh sort of like december thirty first to January one or something like that but anyway, she started probably last september October and then she raced early in the sales race and that so just in between you know depending on the programming she might have ten days or a couple of weeks or something and then Basically, just try to keep her happy, don't overdo it with her. And, um, yeah, so far she just keeps turning up and producing, but that may be just to do with her more than uh, mm-hmm. what I'm doing.
0: Sounds a great case for spells being a bit overrated, by the sounds of it.
1: Uh, could be. We've just changed, you know, obviously we heard that. you know, normally they would go out, you know, in, in the spring and come back and race till August. Well, so this is completely different. So it's uncharted waters, I suppose. So, yeah, it's just really going with what, you, what you're thinking, what, what I think, and, and I'm being lucky with her that she can she keeps sort of producing.
0: Matt, any other stories or, or anything that Shane's hiding from us that would be of interest about Wonderful to Fly? No, no not that I can think of.
2: She's um, He's been pretty transparent along the way with her and um, he's spoken to the media well about her and um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much her in a nutshell. Where the really interesting story is that that broke her in and and showed interest to shane that she went well and um for an easy purchase he's been able to pick up his best horse ever it's just uh, really nice how everything sort of unfolded
0: yeah it's a wonderful story um just in regards to lavra joe uh, of course i know he's one of your favorites he had to do a bit of work sitting outside hampton banner recently um will he bounce back here in the president's cup lavra joe yeah, he should do. Um, he's got the draw. He should find the top. And Plutonium yeah, creates like a lot
2: of interest in the race because outside of free-for-all grade, I don't think there's any horse racing better in the state than Plutonium. So um, he'll probably have to sit outside Labra which I just don't think he can do and beat him. But, um, yeah, it should be should be a good battle. But uh Joe, when we talk about horses heading towards the potential tilt at the Nullarbor... Uh, he'd be one on the agenda for a lot of horses
0: and magnificent storm what's he up to at the moment do we know uh he's heading towards an inter-dominion
2: campaign so uh, i would think he's not too far away i'm not sure exactly his whereabouts officially but um yeah i'd say him and also too fast too serious uh looking at uh, inter-dominion campaigns from the uh Ray Williams or now Dylan Edgerton Green stable with too fast, too serious.
0: And just the, just following that announcement last week, I mean, we're all getting our head around it—the the, the Western Trilogy with the bit rich greyhound race and thoroughbreds in the harness. What's the general feedback from participants that you've spoken to, Matt, since then?
2: Um, it seems to be pretty positive. If uh, Shane's still online, you might be able to get his opinion on it, and uh, he's probably spoken to a few people Shane? as well. But
1: mm. just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it seems... Look, I mean, I don't know enough about the concept. I've got a, a rough idea. But, um, you know, obviously, over east, the Eureka seems to have created some interest. Yeah, you, know, you have the Everest and the Thoroughbred, so that sort of seems to be where it's stemming from. But, yeah, I think the idea is good, and it will just be interesting to see how it pans out. But, you know, definitely probably a fair bit of interest at the moment and, and probably got to see how it unfolds. Um, when it when it when it comes around but mm. you know three three group one races you know, on a weekend in the state will hopefully uh, create interest through um, you know the viewers
0: different people maybe come into the sport and have a crack and just see what it's all about how do you feel about the timing of it being in april mid-april for harness racing uh, well i suppose they've got to
1: put it somewhere and there's obviously lots of racing over east big races New Zealand, all that. So I would imagine they've looked into it and um, your time-wise it is what it is and there will be, there'll be still good horses be aimed at it or, or up in up and going at the time and probably the dogs and all that the same. So you'll still get a quality field and if um, you know, some miss out they'll probably just go, go to another race.
0: Mate, your best bet here at Gloucester? Uh, for tomorrow,
2: well, I thought uh, the meeting was a little bit tricky but... Um, yeah, well, Lambert Jo should win. Hopefully, Wonderful to Fly should win. But I'm going to tip one for a place uh, as my best on the card, and that is in Wonderful to Fly's race, number 11. Uh, Champagne, everyone, I thought was a really good chance. It's going to be three back the pegs. And as we know, Wonderful to Fly, uh, she normally gets away from the field late in running. So normally the peg line opens up. So I think uh, it's a bit of value there for Champagne, everyone who does follow speed pretty well. And, uh, Represents some pretty good value.
0: So race five, number eleven for a place, Champagne, everyone. Caller might be saying ten in a line uh, for Wonderful to Fly. I'll come up with a great. Yeah, it'll line. be eleven, Steve. Eleven is 11 it? If, Yeah, eleven, 11. if you wins. Wow. Uh, good yeah. luck. I'd love to be driving it myself, Shane. It must be just nice to sit in the bike there or in the in the sulky. They're driving Wonderful to Fly. You've done a great job, so far. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. No worries. Oh, by the way, do you and Matt fight like my brother and I did when we have some blues? When you were uh, young. <laughs>
1: No, we get, on, we get on quite well. I've got a twin brother. We used to have a few little arguments and fights,
0: but not quite so bad either. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Okay, no worries. So, Thank Maddie you. Young and brother Shane. Shane's got, uh, yeah, wonderful to fly. Quite an amazing record, and she'll go around it. unbackable odds. Um, but just great to see uh, a filly of this quality step out there tomorrow night at, uh, at Gloucester Park. Well, what about Kilmore tomorrow night? This is a wonderful guard. And besides the Kilmore Cup, I feel this horse is going to be uh, a real highlight just to see his reappearance second run for the new stable and ravishing so he's quickening now six meters
3: code name marcus uh then in third position is ideal rock ideal Roll, but uh, he's often gone now captain ravishing he was entitled to and like a jetty, he making around the home turn wow he's put a gap on them 27-7 was the third quarter this can be a much quicker into the straight captain ravishing he actually wants to hang in a bit here he's still as green as grass but he has gapped them he's 30 metres in front, Captain Ravishing. Wow, this is pretty stunning. When you can pick him to pieces like he's still got things to learn, he's won it by 35. Captain Ravishing won it from codename Marcus. Commander
0: I know plus... when we spoke to Grant Dixon earlier this week about Leap to Fame, he said this horse is the one he's most worried about heading towards the Victoria Derby. Dan Malecki is with us. How are you, Dan? Yeah, hello,
3: Steve. Yeah, I'm well, thank you.
0: Well, he showed ability, didn't he, with Armoured Tabor, but, boy, he was pretty scintillating there in that race a couple of weeks ago.
3: Amazing. And the head-scratching part was... Not only was he so fast and impressive, but he wanted to run about it. He ducked in, he ducked out. And yet still recorded what I understand is the fastest uh, recorded final quarter. He went 25 seconds, uh, at least in Australia anyway. Still, people are trying to check up to find if there was anything quicker. Uh, Nobody's been able to prove that's the case. So first up from the spell, and rushes a a 25-second final quarter. And I can tell you, Steve, that night it was pretty cool. It was about six or seven degrees. So put that into perspective and uh, we have got we could have
0: something really special. See, mm, that's extraordinary. And as a broadcaster, probably if you looked at that, you'd question it, wouldn't you? Straight yeah. away, that quarter. Yeah, I,
3: look, you could see, I could see he was going quick and that gone slowly. The last half was uh, inside 53, which is extraordinary within itself. And he was entitled to come home quickly. There was... A lot of tongues were wagging about how well this horse had been going at home with, with Emma Stewart, and they hadn't really produced it at the trials, and um, he, he delivered in spades. So, um, it, look, it's a different challenge at uh, Kilmore tomorrow night, but where he's heading, obviously it's the derby in a few weeks' time,
0: you'd be pretty brave to take him on. Even though he's going to be up against one of your favourites, uh, the the high-rolling horse. Um. Which one was that? Well, obviously uh, in Queensland we're all about uh, leap to fame, but um, catch a wave is a horse I know you're very excited about.
3: Yeah, well that's exactly right. And and one thing to keep in mind too is the distance of the Derby. It is over a genuine staying trip, so catch a wave has got to be able to tick that box. And as good as he is, we still seem to pick him apart. He can do things wrong. And uh, whereas leap to fame is probably the more genuine. And we know him. Um, You guys know him a little bit better. I'm really looking forward to having him down here. And um, Grant has produced some pretty good horses coming south in the uh, the past before. So it's really shaping up to be a terrific Derby series. I think we'll learn more about Captain Ravishing tomorrow night um, to see what sort of gate speed he's got, whether he leads and dictates and runs those sorts of times. And he's up against a much stronger field, a much stronger field. So can he do that for a longer trip against better rivals?
0: Um, I don't know. It's going to be exciting to find out, though. It is, yeah. That's race five we're talking about here at Kilmore tomorrow night. I said earlier in the week when I think about Kilmore Cups, I think about the Knight family, of course, Bob and Vin Knight. We think about Popular Arm and Bag Limit and Gary's Advice, all those champions that raced during the the 80s, Stan.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's hard not to think of those uh, those horses they almost all raced in the yellow with a red maltese cross uh, popular arm won two kilmore cups um very famous for standing start races as most of the victorian country cups were they had other horses like distant thunder and raging bull win it was like they won four in a row from 81 to 84. Uh, had a, another horse called amendment win in 1990 and um even after uh, Vinnie had had passed on, um, Bob uh, and Stephen Dove and uh, had the the unicorn who won in 1992, when driven by Andrew Peace, oh, but they it seemed like a factory of uh, superstars that they had in those days. But Popular Arm won the race twice, and his second win in '82, he came off a 35 meter handicap. He got knocked down a couple of times. It was an extraordinary win, and uh, I remember even Vinnie Knight still talking about his being one of his treasured moments because he felt like he was in a boxing match and popular arm took two um standing eight counts
0: because he'd been knocked down
3: that often. It was quite remarkable. Mm, was such a
0: polarizing figure. He used to get the crowd fired up too, um didn't he? been night on occasions.
3: Yeah, use with your heads up your backsides when bad <laughs> when it one, he's a uh, second uh what was Winfield Cup in those days, but that's what is now known as the Victoria Cup. But like any um, driver or trainer, they're going to stick up for their horses if someone's going to throw a bit of stick at them. Um, uh, the one thing, the common denominator about all trainers and all drivers uh, they love their horses don't they so um what do they say the old line is you can insult my wife but don't insult my
0: mm. horse outwardly and too many of us uh, watching on within night you know we just thought he had everything going for him but obviously inside he had some demons to deal with and that was just a shock to us and i, I remember i was working at a radio station at the time and i think it was 4bc at the time when that news came through of his passing it just shocked everyone we were just stunned
3: yeah, yeah. You look. You weren't the only one. I, I, I had a horse. Vinny was going to drive a horse for me that day at Cranda, and So I was, I was working at Channel Ten in those days, but I'd done my morning work. So took the afternoon off to go and watch my horse. And I remember coming into the track, and John Ryan and Scott Stewart were there as I, I walked in, and they, were, they were asking me, "Is it true? Is it true?" They'd, would left the stables and gone to the track with a, you know, a group of. Um, uh, stable horses as well and and uh, I hadn't quite caught up on it I heard a news report but I hadn't put two and two together and it quickly um, got around that uh, the person that had, that had found dead in a car just outside of kilmore was uh, was to, was to be then so every, everyone was was in shock that day it's one of those moments
0: that uh, you don't forget. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just with this Kilmore Cup, Honolulu Bay is the favourite right now. With tab Dan at three dollars eighty. What did you make of his? I know he did some work last start, but what did you make of that when he when he was beaten, ran fifth?
3: Yeah, well, I think we all realise he's not a machine. <laughs> he's a he's a mere mortal horse. So um, he, he just worked too hard. Uh, copy that. At least we saw him bounce back last week. Uh, the good horses are able to do it. Um, they went so hard early and he got put into the race, put the pressure on and he, he weakened in the straight and you only have to look at the horses that ran the top four. They were all well off the speed, did no work. So I think it was a forgivable run, but how does he back up from that? Um, it was a tough run and this is a tough race. This is up in trip. That was over a sprint sprint trip. So in a way, maybe it's the run he needed. It could toughen him up for a what is a 2,690 metre race. So I uh, I'm, I'm forgiving in a way because I'm certain he's going to be driven differently. Um, David Moran's back on the sulky. Uh, he he came back from suspension this week, so he is aboard Honolulu Bay on on this occasion. Mark Pitt will drive Beyond Delight, who's uh, first up uh, for the Emma Stewart camp. They have three runners like a wildfire. Is the uh, the other one actually? I shouldn't say Mark Pitt's driving uh, uh, Beyond Delight. It should be like a wildfire. My apologies. Um, I'm forgiving of Honolulu Bay, but again, this has got a bit of depth about it. This race, I've got a lot of respect for like a wildfire, uh, rock and roll, do obviously emerging uh, and supreme dominator. But we've got to keep in mind that it is 2,690 meters. It's a staying trip, which almost doesn't make any sense. Really, they go from a sprint race last week uh, in the uh, the and free for all to, or the gamalo free for all it was that night, I think um, to another sprint race next week, and then the Vic Cup over the uh, the 2,200 metres. So um, the 2,700 is, for some of these horses, rare air. Even though it's a classic distance, a lot of them haven't been to that trip before. So there's a few unknowns, and, and I guess to, for Honolulu Bay to a little degree as well, but I therefore think he'd be driven more as a six sprinter, which would suit him better because he's got a blistering turn of foot. All
0: right. So how do you think we should play it then from a punting viewpoint? Like a Wildfire's five. I mentioned Honol- Honolulu Bay is $3.80, $6.50 max shard, $9 max delight. Rock and Roll Do, of course, who won that race we're just talking about with Honolulu Bay is at eight fifty. Yeah, look, you can make a case for a lot of horses
3: here. Like a Wildfire's first up, it's very hard to win first up. Uh, Beyond the Lights first up as well. But the one team that seemed to do it regularly is is Emma Stewart. When I say hard to win first up at Metropolitan level, and then you look at a Group 2 level, uh, you've got to be right on your game. And at a trip that these horses don't often get to. Um, so I've got a lot of time for like a wildfire, but I reckon whatever he does, he's got to be improved by that. The horse at odds that I don't mind is Supreme Dominator. He's drawn well enough to be able to push forward and certainly sit handy enough. He can stay. He'll stick on really well. And he didn't have much luck in that run at Melton last time. I think he's going really well. So at a bit of odds, I think Supreme Dominator can give you a really good sight. It was good to see Max Delight go better last start. That hot tempo helped him finish it off. But I think it showed that he's back on track because he was first up from a bit of a break. Can improve, gets a good barrier draw. Victoria Cup winner from last year, so he has beaten the big boys on more than one occasion. So I'm looking to horses that are on the front line, uh, but not wanting to exclude Honolulu Bay. He's got a terrific winning chance. But I think Supreme Dominator at this stage is what I would consider the best value on the race. Even Mm -hmm. if he happens to be your, your secondary bet, you might like any one of the other horses that we've either mentioned or not mentioned. But I'd be suggesting throwing Supreme Dominator in your exotics and maybe even a saving bet at... $10, $11, $12 $10,
0: 11 $12 or so. Yeah, it might be one of those race back multiple runners and get a result. But Supreme Dominator, $10, 310 and Max Delight, $9.290. and 290. Before we let you go, is there a special on the entire card there at uh, Kilmore for their big night tomorrow? Yeah, there, there probably is. I'm still
3: searching through it, though, and, and trying to get the right value. I, I thought that in race two, horse number eight, he's ideal, won't be ridiculously short because it's got a tricky inside back gate. Um, but I really like the way he won first up. I think he's going to make the grade. And in race number three, at a bit of odds, another one at a bit of odds, the favourites first up from a spell at a very short quote, he's the son of a gun. But I I don't mind the way Finn Frost is going, number four. Now, he could be 25 to one. I reckon he might be worth a play, a dollar a win, $4 a place ratio. He's going much better than his figure form suggests.
0: Thank you, Dan. My pleasure. Wonderful broadcaster, Dan Malecki, joining us, talking about Kilmore Cup tomorrow night. So he likes race two. He mentioned number eight, uh, he's ideal there. And the other one, race three. Uh, and numerically, this horse's form looks pretty ordinary, but uh, Finn Frost. So race three, number four, at big odds. And race two, number eight, he's ideal. And just back to the Kilmore Cup, which is race eight on the cart. In fact... It's race seven on the card. He thought Supreme Dominator the four. So race seven, number four, he also mentioned two Max Delight. So you might want to play around with those four and two in race number seven. And that horse we talked about, that's incredible, isn't it? That quarter uh, with Captain Ravishing, it runs in race five, number five for Emma Stewart and also Mark Pitt. So a great deal of interest in that uh, Kilmore program.